Welcome to The Scott Townsend Show, brought to you by Dietzo Man Productions. Hey, this is Scott Townsend. You're watching and listening to The Scott Townsend Show. And today I have with me a, a, a repeat guest, a good friend of mine up from Vancouver. Is it Vancouver? Vancouver. Vancouver, British Columbia. Jonathan Horvitz, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Scott. Really appreciate coming back. So Jonathan's a commercial account executive with Vidyard and uh, just had him on the show today to talk about the future as he sees it and some trends that we all should probably be keeping our eye on as far as technology goes, uh, as well as video. For them, that's, that's the most dangerous thing, right? It's like, well, it's not for me, like say my parents, well, it's for people in business or in, in technology. Um, and then 10 years go by and now you have this lack of skill set. Yeah, so the challenge though is like, so now that I'm older and all these new platforms come out and every day there's something new, it's not that I resist technology because obviously I, I want to absorb it. The thing is there's so many, it's hard to know where to, where to hang your hat because you kind of, as an adult, can't do them all um, for one reason or another. So it's kind of like, okay, so do I jump on TikTok and I get really into that and understand that platform, the whole business behind it? Or is that only going to be here for four or five months and we'll never really leave the tweens popularity and maybe it already has um and then i stick to something like instagram you know if you look at like snapchat and instagram five years ago snapchat had huge growth but instagram also grew um and it's still at least for the time being a dominant player um and those are just like two famous examples as to where um things would go but there's hundreds of them so um as technology goes because you'll be left behind if proverbially if you don't that means that everyone's using and adopting and, and I see it less as growth and more platform change. Um, but I mean, look, this is social media, right? Right. Blogs and vlogs are considered social media. It's, it's us getting information across. It's, it's essentially us disseminating information to anyone um, through a specific medium, right? And that's pretty much what it is. But we just say, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And it's the barriers to enter are low. Um, the barriers to distribute are low. The interest is high. And we know that if people want to consume information now, to your point, the traditional methods of radio are gone for the most part, talk radio, the traditional methods of even talk TV are kind of gone, except for specialized stations. And people turn to the podcasts, um, either audio or video, um, and they don't really think twice about it. Uh, you guys, I understand Vidyard and Slack have a... Um relationship or a uh, interconnected uh, way to interact with each other. Can you explain a little bit about that relationship? Yeah. So essentially um, now with Slack, you can record video directly within Slack. So Vidyard does, for those who don't listen, who've never heard of it or haven't researched us a bit, it's we enable companies to create, host, manage, and distribute all your video content. So if you're a marketer, and you have a ton of video or sales rep, um, we enable you to do more with that video than traditional means like a YouTube. It's more like a business-facing video. So what that enables normally is for you to go into Gmail or the Vidyard platform and use your webcam or screen share to create and record short videos, right? Like explainer how-to videos for customers or about me videos for prospecting. With Slack now, you can click a button and record a video directly within the Slack player. And so what's really neat is, you know, Slack is often used for internal communication or is used usually for internal communication for getting to results quicker than email. So you don't have to follow these email chains. 
And one of the use cases that has really come up with Vidyard since COVID is internal communication for explaining things that would otherwise have happened at the water cooler. So I would walk to your desk and say, hey, what happened with this file? And you would sit there and talk to me for three minutes. But with COVID, we can't. So in the beginning, people were organizing Zoom calls. That takes time. So now what you can do is hit slash Vidyard, make a recording of a one or two minutes to explain something, just send it to you. Um, and like everything else, we're connecting into the Slack ecosystem. So Slack had to open that up to developers. They had to build a partnership with external teams like GARS and build that value. Um, and now we've removed, albeit a small barrier, we've removed any barriers to actually embedding video within your internal communication, right? Because it's all in one platform, super easy to do. It's very self-explanatory because you're already used to the Slack tool as the way that it works. Um, and now instead of typing things out, if anything's more than a paragraph long, you can hit record and you can just send a video file. So that's, that's kind of what it is. Um, to not go too far off it, what funny enough really excites me about that is the, small, is the small barriers that get removed. So the fact that I don't have to go into Gmail to record a video, copy and then paste it into Slack to send it, that's really exciting because when we talk about weaving technology into the fabric as to who we are, it's about making it as seamless as everything else in our world that we're used to. Mm -hmm. We don't think about having a refrigerator. Right. But imagine if you had to like go to the garage to get a glass of water or go to the outhouse to get your food, which is what it used to be. The fact that it's just in our apartment and we, we, we save those 10 steps is so important. And same with technology. The fact that we just minimize these tiny little steps until we're using multiple different really rich technologies um, in one place, that's when you'll see a boom of usage. And so that's why the, that integration with a tool like Slack is so important, or what we used to have with HubSpot, or we still do, but was a, we had for a couple of years now. So, so you're just really refining the process. You're shaving off time. You're uh, eliminating the hurdles, and you're just polishing up a process so that the, the friction, there's no more friction. You just That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you polish things up. And, you know, that's – that is hard to explain before it's built as to why it's important, right? It's like, so who cares? Okay, so I click two more buttons. Right. But anyone who upgrades their phone, anyone who doesn't have a new phone and has an older phone and says, you know, I don't need to spend the money on a new phone because I don't care that my video quality is a little better. I don't care that it renders a little faster or I have more space. As soon as they upgrade, they see those benefits. Right. They're like, you know what? Having more space and not having to have a slow backup onto my Google Drive so much richer of an experience. Totally <laughs> worth an extra ten dollars a month on my video plan or my phone plan. You're really, you know? you're really, you're really. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got the six right now, and I've just really been holding out, you know, to go to the next level. But well, yeah. Well, the good thing right. is you're suffering now, but you'll appreciate the happiness a lot more when you get to the iPhone 12. <laughs> yeah. So everything's slowing down, and things are, yeah, it's not working like it used to, and. I just keep holding out thinking, oh, well, that's all right, you know, but yeah, you're right. right. As soon as you, then you wonder what you did without it, you know? Yeah, it's shavings make a pile, right? It's, and again, it's hard to sit there. I imagine the guy at Apple says, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be three and a half percent better. And the executives have to sit there and actually evaluate that that's worthwhile. I don't know how they make that decision. But the truth is, over time, we remove small barriers and small fric friction. Um, and then it just becomes second nature, you know? Not having to charge your battery all day. Like, mm -hmm. 
wow, you know, versus every six hours having to charge it. So on your prognosis, you're uh, looking ahead 10 years to 2000, what, 30 or 20? 2030. 2030. I'll be, I'll be a middle-aged man by then. <laughs> what, uh, so what do you see? What's one of the things you see? Oh, other than having no hair. Other than having uh, no hair, yeah. Or gray hair. This receding hairline, this receding hairline's getting back. Um, <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of things. You know, the, the biggest, most exciting, very scary thing out there is the unintended or intended consequence of, of the way the government responds to COVID, which is with low interest rates. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about it. Interest rates are incredibly low. Unlike in 2009, when they lowered interest rates and the quantitative easing, we're not entering the world during a credit crunch. Like money is not scarce. Businesses today, particularly in the technology industry, are very sophisticated, meaning they have a lot of uh, people on their boards who know what they're doing. The, the process of raising money and building products is not new. It's been hammered out and it's very effective. Right. Um, and now everyone in the world, not just in Silicon Valley, everyone in America, everyone in Europe, Canada, Asia, all of those who have connections to institutions have the ability to raise a phenomenal amount of money to push research and development. And although it's scary to have such low interest rates and you know, there could be a lot of really negative effects to that, I think that it's going to be extremely positive and you're going to get a lot of moonshot companies, companies that have these great visions who traditionally couldn't raise that much money without being an Elon Musk are going to start raising money. Not only are you going to see the stock markets have this crazy IPO boom that we've kind of seen will continue, mm -hmm. but we're going to have companies that do raise 50 to $250 million before the IPO, as we've already seen, and they're going to build amazing new technology. Every single thing on our wish list as to what we actually want is going to get built in these 10 years, or at least be on the, the offshoot of it. Um, that's a trend that's been setting for the last 10 years, right? And we've seen because of low interest rates, companies can do that. And venture capitalists have never had more, more money. Um, that's going to continue. And I think it's really going to make the world a great place. We're going to see people who wanted to take, you know, take a company like Vidyard, who's well-funded and we build great products. Well, what could we do if we had twice the amount of funding? What could we build? Um, and by the year 2030, every single technology that's on its way to something will have accomplished that. Um, and if you want to get into some specifics, I can, but the key idea is companies will raise money. They'll put it to work effectively and our lives are going to be, we're going to be closer to the Jetsons than ever before. So what are one of the specifics? Um, I think this is kind of an odd one. I'm not really a gamer, but you know, there was a big release of PS5 and Xbox and Facebook's been working with Oculus Rift for a really long time. I think the quality in video, particularly working in video is going to make huge strides in the next 10 years. Internet quality is going up for everybody. Hopefully the whole world will have better internet. Um, there's a huge interest in entertainment in video. And by the year 2030, I think video game experience is going to be maybe one step below what we've always wanted video gaming to be. Meaning I'm going to put on a virtual reality headset or an augmented reality headset. I'm very big on augmented reality place hardware and I'm going to be able to play an experience as if I'm in the game and it's going to it's going to be worlds away from what we have today the difference between like a PlayStation 1 and a PlayStation 5 will be the difference between PlayStation 5 and whatever's in 2030 PlayStation 6 whatever new 
brand comes out. Um, it's going to be phenomenal. And then that's going to permeate wide consequences, not just for consumers who enjoy playing video games, but also in businesses who are going to rely on high quality video to accomplish things. I think that items like Google Glass mm-hmm. will, be able to, will also develop video technology. And just I don't know I if it'll thinking. take that form. Yeah, I don't know if it'll take that form, but I've been waiting a long time to replace hardware with, with augmented reality to be able to have a headset or some, some sort of device that projects a physical image and be able to interact with it at some level so that my computer is not real, but I can still throw my hands down and strike a key. Do you think it would be eyeglasses that we wear or some sort of uh, glass instead of the big Oculus stuff they've got now? <coughs> I realize what we're yeah, seeing now is going to be, we're going to laugh at it five or 10 years from now because they're so big and bulky, but it's just what we got. But in 10 years time, is it as small as a contact lens or is it something that's projected in front of us? You know, I think in 10 years, we're still looking to just guess and talking to people who work in these industries. I think in 10 years, we're still looking at headsets. Maybe they're lighter and you don't, you know, they put more attention to aesthetics and comfort, but we'll still have that. I think the ultimate vision for this type of technology is what you see in Star Trek, where you're essentially in a room that has projectors and it projects around you. Right. Um, but I think we're ways off for that. But I, it would be a headsets you go, but the big shift will be when they take it from commercial use and we actually see it in the business world, not just for specialized tasks like doctors and people who run drones, um, but where people such as ourselves, instead of having a $3,000 hardware computer, $2,000 hardware computer, I have a headset that emulates everything on my desk and I can interact with it. Hmm. Um, and I think by 2030, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start realizing that. So your desk would be clear, just flat. But what you're saying is projected images on the desk where you have a keyboard maybe. Um, That's right. And when I go like this right here, it knows that a K should have been there and it'll type a K. Um, and we're not so far off from something like that, I don't think. I mean, there's... Well, they've already done that to some extent. They, they, That's right. Yeah, they've already got projected keyboards that you can... Yeah, exactly. And now all you have to do is, is make it a quality that's worth using. Um, and we only really replace technology when it's better than the last one. So it needs to be really good quality. But you'll start to see it come out in very specific use cases. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if your home office has one of those. Autonomous cars are something I'm really excited about. I would love if Bartlesville had um, autonomous taxis or whatever, you know. Um, I think by that time, uh, we're going to see cars. You just get in. um, You speak just like to Alexa. um, Take me to work and boom, there you go, you know. You can exactly. read, you can get on the phone, you can watch a movie, TV show, whatever, um, instead of watching the traffic. Um, we're there already right now. It's just, I think it's going to be ubiquitous by the time we get to uh, 2030. I think that's pretty totally. cool. I, I agree. You know, it's, it's funny because I talk a lot about, I often think, especially working in sales, like what are the unintended consequences of like a move in a certain direction and what would actually push adoption and stuff? Um, and so when I think of autonomous cars, what's really interesting is my wife used to work, well, she's a lawyer, but she used to work at an insurance firm. This is a couple of years ago already. And there were already murmurs of them moving away their business from car insurance. Because what would you need such expensive car insurance for if accidents rates are a near 0.01%, right? Where cars don't 
get into accidents. Things interact with cars, but cars don't really get into accidents. Right. There, you don't really need insurance. And so I think about like what will really push the adoption of self-driving cars. Everyone's going to want to drive their own car because driving fast is fun. And especially young people like that and having cool trucks that go off road is something ubiquitous with freedom. Mm-hmm. But what's really going to happen is as time goes on and it becomes very obvious that autonomous cars don't get an accident. Premiums on self-driving cars are going to skyrocket. And insurance premium on autonomous vehicles, self-driving, sorry, on personal driving cars will go up. And if premiums on autonomous vehicles will drop because they don't get into accidents, particularly in places where you have fault insurance, where the fault is determined. And all of a sudden, to drive your own beat-up Toyota Camry from 1995 will cost, I don't know, $6,000 a year in insurance, twice what it costs today. Mm -hmm. Um, And to drive an autonomous car will have essentially no insurance cost, and they'll make these cars relatively very cheap and so people will start to adopt the self-driving elements just for the insurance benefit and it'll get to a point where it won't be affordable to drive for yourself and that'll be the when we get to a place where they start talking about insurance premiums changing is when you know that self-driving is really going to be uh the standard Mm -hmm. it'll just it'll just be and when you look at other businesses insurance costs is one of those hidden costs in the background of all businesses that are surprisingly very expensive and actually drive process and policy at companies. If you talk to small business owners as to like at a bar and they say, well, why do you do X or Y? They'll say, oh, it's an, in- I-, I can't, it's an insurance risk, right? Or why don't you open up the, the back patio and went there? Oh, it's an insurance risk. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so once you take those elements and you apply it to the car industry, um, you won't have a choice to drive your own car. It'll be, it'll be only for the ultra wealthy. I think it's so funny too, because you know, with airlines right now with auto, the autopilot, I mean, they, the planes can land themselves, you know, you've got this expensive equipment. We're flying up in the air and Mm -hmm. it's with precision, you know, the pilots rarely have to take over. And so, you know, why couldn't that be with a car that's well on the ground and doesn't have to fly, you know? So I just, yep. I don't know why we're not already there. I guess it's just, uh, you know, I hear so many people say, oh, you'll never get me one of those things. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want to get in one of those things, you know? Uh, yeah. Although I do like <laughs> driving fast in the country by myself. Oh, yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. Not everybody but, likes yeah, that. I know. It'll happen. I mean, you know, Elon Musk obviously talks a lot about it. I think the stat is that 3,000 people globally die a day in car accidents. So it's like every day that we were hesitant to adopt this, like, proper self-driving 3000 people a day die like it's a pretty wild number mm-hmm. and so should, really we should all be incentivized to like push this through right. and get it done but most technologies have that promise and most take slow to adopt um and it's just the way people are they they like to be contrarian they like to stick to what they know but ultimately the the best process will win in every every instance right at vidyard i also noted some noticed something else um on LinkedIn too. And that is you guys have a uh, book out the visual sale. Tyler, Tyler Lassard, Lassard has a book out visual sale. Um, yeah. So how's that going? I mean, what like, it's good. So Tyler is our CMO. Uh, he's Tyler's been with Vidyard for many years. Um, he's from Kitchener, Waterloo, which is where I had offices and I believe he, even before Vidyard, he knew the owners. Um, many of the people from Vidyard worked at Blackberry. Cause that was, in the town of Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, 
But no, Tyler has experience in marketing with video because he started a Vidyard 10 years ago, or video has been around for 10 years. He's always been kind of the thought leader on video in marketing and sales. So when we speak about like you be an expert, like what you were imagining, Tyler's like the video expert at marketing at one of the only video marketing companies huh. that grew. Um, so he's like a legit thought leader. And how do we embed video into marketing and sales while staying authentic and and not coming off as forceful or corny in the content that we put out. And so now he used to go around before COVID flying and doing lunch and learns to different corporations. He would go to head offices of our biggest companies and give these great thought both in conversations to executives and VPs who are in their own right, very impressive because of COVID he can't. So he wrote a book and the book essentially outlines what the trends of 2019 to 2020 have gone, which are obvious to many of us. But more importantly, what's going to change and what will remain going into 2021? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what his book is about. He actually is still doing digital lunch and learns for any company that kind of wants a thought leader for their sales kickoff. I know a lot of my customers have asked. Um, and if you can get him to talk, it's great because he's a really interesting person. Um, and he really does know about this niche, this very niche part within the social media climate mm. within marketing and sales. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting book, lots of demand for him. Um, and I'm fortunate, a lot of the videos he put out, he has a really good sense of humor. So I'm very fortunate to, to watch some of his videos, um, which you can see on our, our website. So Right, and on LinkedIn, there's a lot and on LinkedIn, too. Correct. Well, Jonathan, thanks for stopping by and chatting with us about R&D and the future of technology and how you see things going and... Uh, Totally. We need to have you back and do it again with, uh, I mean, you're always welcome back whenever you got something you want to bounce back and forth uh, with. Uh, just say the word. I appreciate it. I love coming here. Uh, great stuff. All right. Well, for Jonathan Horvitz, this is Scott Townsend. You're watching and listening to the Scott Townsend Show. And have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Townsend Show is a Deedso Man production. For more episodes, visit the Scott Townsend Show YouTube channel. Listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's go.